With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. You're with Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Yes, it's TNT, today's news talk. This is uh, Locked and Loaded. I am Rick Munn. And during the course of this hour, I'm going to be joined by Gemma Cooper in just a minute or two. And then I have two uh, great guests coming on. I've got Catherine McBean coming back. Uh, she set up the PFFA, the People's Food and Farming Alliance. Going to get a little bit of an update on uh, what she's focusing in on in terms of health and also a review of the ongoing farmers' protests. More and more people seem to be getting sucked into these uh, wheels in particular. Uh, certainly rising up at the minute and we're seeing rumblings in Ireland too so we'll be talking to Catherine about that and then Mario Ineco will be joining me he has a big website or a big YouTube channel actually that deals with uh, alternate finance and also contrarian views so I'm going to be really happy to be joined with him uh, for the first time at around about 22 uh, 22 they are but plenty more uh, to come plenty more still to play for and of course if you haven't already done so, we have an app that's available on the App Store and the Google Play Store, TNT Radio. Search for that. And of course, check out our website, tntradio.live. And it's a big week, uh, big week this week and also into next week uh, with the Assange business that's happening in London. There's a real push uh, from our side of things to make sure that the best coverage is available for that. And uh, if you didn't catch the open line show, uh, just to make you aware that we'll have people on the ground all of next week. We'll have David Curtin there. We'll have uh, Sonia Poulton there. Uh, Abby Roberts will be there. I think uh, Calm Smiles even will be there doing uh, roving reports on the ground as and when they happen. There's going to be a little programming change next week in terms of the times which certain shows will be on. So I think on Tuesday and Wednesday, Locked and Loaded and uh, Open Line will start at 7 a.m. and 8 a.m. instead of uh, 9 a.m. and 10 a.m. So we'll keep you posted on that uh, as and when we know the exact timing changes and the exact developments that are actually happening there. Uh, a lot happening uh, in the world at the minute, as you rightly know. Uh, Ireland at the moment uh, are appealing for workers to come back home, come back home again. Ireland needs you to come home, says Minister Simon Harris, as 750,000 euro is to be spent in efforts to bring Irish construction workers back from overseas. Well, let's say this, uh, Simon Harris, if you didn't screw those people over in the first place, or you actually provided them with work to do, or didn't make it impossible for them to get accommodation or pay their mortgages, then maybe, just maybe they wouldn't have left Ireland in the first place because they're obviously went looking for better opportunities elsewhere so to launch a campaign at 750,000 euro to beg them to come back home again I would say you've got to ask yourself back home to what what will have changed fundamentally for them between the time that they left and the time that you actually want them to come back home again so think about it think about it there's a reason people leave countries there's a reason why people emigrate usually it's to get uh, grasses greener on the other side to seek out better opportunities elsewhere so if you can't provide them with better opportunities in ireland that weren't there when they left why are they going to come back why are they going to come back ireland wants you home he says well maybe ireland shouldn't have wanted you out in the first place then you wouldn't have to be begging for those guys 
to come back home again. So going to take a brief pause. Uh, Gemma's got a great story here to cover off. And there's a, a post that was put up yesterday. Uh, I'm going to merge it into what Gemma has to say from the Ministry of Defence, uh, talking about UK support for war will not falter. So uh, going to be very much themed along conflict. So don't go away. We'll be right back here on TNT, today's news talk. Talk that matters. For once, we just need to do what's best for the same country and not what's best for the world. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Gemma, uh, just before we get to your uh, particular story that you have highlighted, uh, I just want to bring this one in because I think it'll um, pave the way for uh, what you're about to say. Uh, Yesterday, the Ministry of Defence put a post up to say the UK has committed £7 billion, £7 in military aid to Ukraine since the conflict began, which is pretty much two years ago, almost to the day. Uh, This includes £3.5 billion in military aid in 2024 to 2025. In other words, they're going to keep uh, filtering money in there, £2.5 billion, sorry. This will allow us to deliver advanced capabilities, equipment and training to the armed forces of Ukraine. And then there's a little graphic. Uh, So they've got a pile of uh, coins with a pound on it to say 7 billion. Then they've got a picture of a drone with 200 million on it. Then they've got a picture of a tank with 8,000 tanks beside it. Then they've got a picture of a man saluting with 60,000 on it, probably better with a man in a body bag or a man missing an arm and a leg because that's what's happening when these men are tragically being sent out to face the Russian meat grinder. And then we'll have a little picture of some yellow bullets, little yellow bullets with 6 million beside it to say provided nearly 6 million rounds of small arms ammunition. It's almost as if they're proud of this, Gemma. Should the UK government not be hanging their heads in shame? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? You know, how they can find all of that money all of that money and yet you know as we just talked about at the top of the last hour the the uk is in a recession and the, and and people are being squeezed like never before with cost of living and mortgage repayments and yet all of our money because it is our money is being siphoned off abroad and even in the us now the senate is blocking you know further aid to ukraine the tide seems to be turning popular opinion in the americas now we don't want to send any more money to ukraine we don't benefit from this and isn't it funny rick do you remember of um few you know two years ago you couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't move without blue and yellow Ukrainian flags being mm-hmm. hoisted up everywhere, just like rainbow flags were hoisted up everywhere at the start of the scandemic. I don't see any Ukrainian flags now. If I see one, no. it's really very rare occurrence. So, you know, I don't think this mm-hmm. is something the public want, definitely. Uh, it's not, although interestingly, that, uh, you know, Ministry of Defence post that was put up, you know, they put that NAF hashtag beside it, I stand with Ukraine. And most of the comments, to be fair, under it, they said, well, I don't. I don't stand for this. I don't support this. You don't do this in my name. Don't associate this with me. I stand with Ukraine. That's the MOD making this statement on behalf of the British people because very, very many people don't stand with it. And I think that's very patronizing uh, to say I stand with something. They don't speak on behalf of everybody. Uh, So why put that strap line on there in the first place? Because of the, the the disconnect, or is it a disconnect? I don't, I'm not entirely sure. I, I do think they know what the public are feeling, but they're determined to push through with these narratives, whatever it takes. Uh, and clearly, you know, that amount of money that they are blatantly, it's our money. You know, I've, I've never said that as many times in my life as I have since I've been starting working for TNT and going behind the headlines. You know, it is our money. We earn it energetically and it's fiscal. We give it uh, to the powers that be. And then they just do exactly the opposite of what we would want with it, which is improving the quality of life just for British citizens on British soil, not funding wars that nobody agreed to uh, at the ballot box or, or, or now on the street. 
as you say, so many people are not standing with Ukraine now because they're seeing through a crumbling narrative, much like a lot of people have seen through the crumbling narrative of what happened in 2020 onwards. Um, mm -hmm. But it hasn't stopped so much billions of our taxpayers' money being siphoned off into this proxy war, unfortunately. But maybe people will look at America and think, well, if it's being blocked by Republicans in the Senate, because and, and a lot of public opinion now is the same there, leave our money alone and let us decide. You know, there's a novel concept. It's our money. We earned it. Can we can we decide where it's spent, please? Unfortunately, unfortunately not. I mean, you see those graphics, Gem, of the bullets and the 8,000 tanks, 60,000 men, billions of pounds with coins beside it. It's quite disgusting, actually, when you see it presented that way, especially when they're almost proud of it. They're almost relishing in the amount of money they're pumping into the arms industry. Uh, you have a story here, UK to send uh, tanks to NATO war games amid growing fears of a full-scale conflict with Russia. Two years on, almost to the day, I think it was the 26th of Feb, uh, that uh, Russia went into Ukraine. Uh, hard to believe it's two years ago, but there's no sign of that one uh, going away anytime soon. And in fact, it could be stoked up uh, in the short term uh, if the UK do what they say they're going to do here. Well, I mean, it's already underway. This is obviously part of Operation Steadfast Defender, which is a, a rehearsal of, of NATO troops on the Estonian border. And it got underway just a few weeks ago uh, at the end of January. We talked about it a bit on TNT last year because uh, it's the biggest NATO exercise bit of Brit for British troops, certainly since 1984, the height of the Cold War. Um, and it's been announced already. We've already sent hundreds of military vehicles and infantry vehicles uh, to this uh, NATO defense exercise. But it's been announced that we're going to send a further uh, tanks, a 51 more tanks to the Estonian border to take part in this exercise. It's taking part in freezing cold condition. It's British, French, American and Estonian troops We're all rehearsing to see what would happen on that border with Russia if, if Putin invaded. And this constant priming for World War Three with Russia that I'm seeing in the headlines on a daily basis. Every story I could bring to TNT could be a yet another story about we're going to be at war with Russia within a decade. Maybe it could be within five years. Now it's like, you know, we're on this Operation Steadfast Defender. We need to put all of our military equipment on the Estonian border for this training exercise. And, and the major actually that oversaw this from the British Army, he was loading the um, 51 new tanks uh, and vehicles onto the ferry in the UK on Tuesday. He said, you know, this exercise is strengthening our bonds with our NATO, NATO allies and the UK needs to be ready for anything, inferring conflict with Russia. It's everywhere. Uh, and yet at a time when Putin is coming out, even in an interview with Tucker Carlson, saying he doesn't want to go and invade anywhere else and he doesn't want to go beyond Ukraine, he doesn't want World War Three. You have to take that on face value. That's what he said. Whether that's what he means remains to be seen. But he's given another interview on Russian television just this morning um, where he's saying, you know, I don't mind working with Biden. He's quite a reasonable person. I'd rather him than Trump. You know, it doesn't seem that Putin is warmongering in any kind of way. He mm -hmm. says he thinks that uh, Biden's policies on the Ukraine are wrong, he, um, but he says he could still work with him. That doesn't sound like warmongering. It sounds like all the warmongering mm -hmm. and all the action is coming from our side. So that's where we are today. We're talking about Money going, sorry, I'll just end money going to Ukraine, yeah. which we don't want, and military equipment for this big, massive NATO drill, which I would warrant many people don't want, but it's still happening regardless. It is. And of course, the big one of the big takeaways from the Carlson interview, and you know, when people were, I, I didn't sit through the whole thing because, quite frankly, there was nothing said in that. Reading other people's uh, reviews of it, there was nothing said in that. But people haven't been saying for years anyway. All Putin effectively doing was confirming what people were saying, for example, about Boris Johnson was sent to scupper any possibility of peace between Russia and Ukraine right from the get go. 
that's what we've been saying and, uh, you know, vilified and demonized for doing it for the last 18 months to two years. And I remember, Gemmett, when this kicked off, they had some gnarly, gnarly, gnarly old Russian general uh, on TV and they were interviewing him, saying, what are your plans for Ukraine? Are you going to take over the whole country? Are you going to take over Europe? Are you going to invade Europe? And I'll never forget him. He looked at the camera and he said, listen, if we wanted to, as in Russia, his words were, we could put that whole country through the meat grinder in three days. Three days, there'll be no, nothing left. Zero. Nothing. He says, we don't want to do that. We just want to control the eastern part here. We're worried about encroachment and what the violence that was going on in the, uh, the Donbass region. We want to take that under control. He says, but be under no illusion. If we did want to invade and take over and seize Ukraine, three days and there'd be nothing left. There would be no more Ukraine, okay? And of course, they didn't do that. And when they did go in, Gemma, it's worth noticing as well, if you go in hard on a country in a war, the first thing you do is you take out all their communications, you take out all their food distribution, you take out everything that could supply them with fuel, etc. That didn't happen either. Unlike, for example, the Nord Stream 2 pipeline attack that happened, uh, probably, um, in fact, not probably, by the bloody Americans on Russia, they were trying to nobble their fuel supply and hit them with economic sanctions from the get-go. So it's a crazy time, and I'm not a Putin apologist. I'm not, I don't believe there's any good guys on the world stage at the minute. It's a case of who's less bad, but I would certainly uh, not rank Putin any more wicked and evil than the like of Joe Biden or the like of um, Rishi Sunak or the like of anybody else for that matter. They're all cut from the same cloth. Some people have just a little bit uh, more material on their suits. Just uh, to wrap this up, we've only got a minute left. Going forward, uh, they're, they're, they're rattling the Great Bear's cage. Uh, do you think they will get bitten as a result of this, or will Russia remain stoic and uh, not be drawn into any conflicts with NATO? Well, I mean, I, I can't, I can't predict that one. I, I at the moment, it looks like that's exactly what's happening. That the West is saying it's war, it's war, it's war, and Putin's going, no, it isn't. No, it isn't. Just let me deal with this in my way, and I will, I will stop. Um, that's what he's saying. That's what he's saying, you know. And I'm I'm not a Putin apologist either. I'm the same as you. They're all they're all on the yeah. global stage. They're all strutting around. Who 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 yep. who is the puppeteer pulling their strings? So we don't know. We don't know. But certainly in terms of what I'm seeing in the Western media and the actions of the British military, you know, throwing everything they've got now at this NATO rehearsal on the on the Estonia Russia border, sending all our equipment there at a time when the British military is is is, is suffering the worst re recruitment crisis and retention crisis ever and hasn't got kit fit for purpose. Yet we're sending it all to the border and it's in freezing conditions. And most of this kit has to be said, reading some of the reports, doesn't work. It freezes mm -hmm. up. It's not even working mm -hmm. properly. But to go back to your original point, that I think the warmongering at the moment is coming from the West. Let's see what maybe he's playing his cards very close to his chest and maybe everyone's got their finger on the button. God knows, let's hope that's not the case. And we might as well just all go down the pub now and forget everything, you know, and just try and enjoy what time we've got left. That's my thoughts on it for what that's worth. We could start broadcasting from a pub somewhere and save ourselves the trouble. We could work and prepare for the end at the same time. And, of course, bring these lovely stories to our beautiful listeners out there in TNT land. So big thanks to you, Jim, for that story as always. You'll be back in the next start talking to James Freeman. Uh, and in the meantime, we've got to take a break uh, before I welcome Catherine McBean back into the studio headquarters here virtually, of course, on TNT Today's News Talk. Sonia Porton. You feel the need to describe yourself along with being a useless eater, free speech isn't a phobia, as a male with a penis. Why would you feel the need to describe yourself as such? 
Well, you never know these days, do you? Anyone can have a penis, apparently. So just thought you better make sure everybody knows. And that, and that is the reality, isn't it? Words have lost all meaning. And one of the things that I wanted you to come on and come and join me about and comment about is the whole issue of gender and transgenderism. Are you cis, Jack? No. There's no such thing. There was, there was literally no such thing until a couple of years ago. And it's, it's their religion. It's not mine. And I refuse to get involved with this sort of terminology. It's ridiculous. Sonia Poulton on today's News Talk TNT. Our beautiful world is changing, withering, dying by the hands of those who don't value nature, even though we all depend on it for life itself. But there is hope. Together with caring friends, the Nature Conservancy can restore our lands, heal our waters, and save our wildlife with big solutions only nature can provide. But every day we lose more of the places we love and we urgently need to save endangered lands, waters, and wild species. The actions we take today will determine the tomorrow we leave to our children and grandchildren. The water they drink, the air they breathe, the beauty they experience. To learn more about how you can help protect and conserve our beautiful world, visit nature.org today. I want to say this, and I'm going to say it just once. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, we are locked, we are loaded, and we are live. And uh, I don't know why she's agreed to do it, but uh, Catherine McBean has decided to come back for round two in TNT Towers with me here on Locked and Loaded. Uh, it's great to see her again. It's great to have her back on again. A lot of water has even passed under the bridge, Catherine, uh, since the last time that you came on. We were talking about farmers' protests in France, uh, Germany, spreading the different parts of Europe. Uh, Wales is getting involved now. A lot going on, a little bit of backpedaling as well by Von and Co. over in uh, Europe. Uh, what's your assessment of where we're at now in terms of these uh, protests and uh, what needs to be done? Um, I mean, it's great that they're now making concessions and it's great that they're sort of moving back from their original position, but I still wouldn't trust them. I still don't think it's enough. And I think the pressure needs to be kept, kept on uh, for the time being, quite honestly. Uh, well, in terms of what, what has been achieved, you know, uh, there was a backpedaling by Ursula von der Leyen. Uh, it was deemed to be some type of victory for the farmers, which, of course, it was. We'll take any wins that we can get. But we know the way these globalists work. They, they're playing the long game. They're very much playing the long game here. And sometimes what they'll do is they'll take two steps forward and then they'll take a step back to rebreathe and regroup. But it's very rare to see them actually backing off an issue completely. They tend to double down on what they're trying to push through. But is the tide uh, too strong against them for them to do that? Do you think we have them on the back foot now? I think they're on the back foot, but I still don't trust them. I think the minute they see an opportunity, they'll take it. Um, personally, I think there's an element of panic taking place now and globally with the globalists, um, which is fantastic. But again, They'll give a bit. Of course, they're going to give a bit. They need to give a bit. But I don't think um, it's going to be nearly enough until we take the controlling structures um, out of the picture. 
Yeah, and uh, as well as that, uh, we're talking about the spread of these uh, protests. Uh, if memory serves me correct, the last time that you were on here was a few weeks ago, maybe three or four weeks ago, actually. Uh, there was a call that if they felt led to do so, that, you know, we need to mobilize uh, British farmers as well, because the focus was very much on uh, France and Germany at the time. But uh, Wales seems to have uh, taken the bit between their teeth at the minute. Uh, I've seen a few uh, footage here from uh, farmers in Wales starting to take action against the Welsh government that wants to destroy their industry with climate targets. Uh, Wales, <laughs> Wales is getting tight at the minute. Uh, they, they drive around at 20 miles an hour. Uh, during the scandemic, they had their uh, school uniforms wrapped up in cellophane in the supermarkets because Mark Drakeford didn't want them buying what he called non-essential items. Uh, but the Welsh farmers, uh, they seem to be out on mass in the tractors at the minute. Could this be the start of uh, something happening in the UK? So um, it's interesting you brought that up. I think one of the issues that we have here is the European farmers seem to be far more aware, if you like, of the bigger picture stuff in terms of mm -hmm. the climate agenda and the WEF and so forth. And I think one of the issues we've got here is farmers, they've got their head down, they're working hard, they're kind of quite mm -hmm. insular, a lot of them. And I think there's a, a lack of awareness on the bigger picture stuff. So whilst there's great campaigns out there raising awareness on the issues they face from the supermarkets and so forth actually what we need to do is 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 um educate for one it sounds a bit condescending but educate these farmers and what the reality looks like with in terms of the bigger picture stuff because they um if they go and they negotiate with far, uh, the supermarkets and so forth that's great short term but actually those control mechanisms are still in place and we know that this is an opportunity to um deal with some of those controlling mechanisms that are having an, a detrimental effect on farming and producing of food in the UK. And if we don't address that, um, there'll be maybe some reprieve for them for a year or two, but actually those issues are still there. They're still fundamental and they're still going to come back. So um, over at PFFA, uh, our main aims over the next few weeks, it's, it's all quite frantic, but we're putting together evidence that can be shared with farmers and it's how we distribute that to farmers to show them what the impacts are for them should this move ahead. But also what we're doing is working um, very hard to call together soon a public forum where we would like to mobilise the people of the UK um, who do care about their farmers, um, because what we actually need is infrastructure. Whilst the farmers are tied to the supermarkets, the processors, the logistics company, they're still not going to see much of an increase in profit. And those um, mechanisms are still going to be in control. What we actually need is infrastructure coming into place across the UK, which will support farmers being able to sell directly to the public, cut out the middlemen so that they've got a greater profit. They can still maintain sensible pricing for food for consumers. And also, we know that the quality of food that we're likely to get on the back of that um, will be that much better. But whilst DEFRA, government and supermarkets are in control, there won't be any um, real long term improvements taking place, I don't believe. Uh, I didn't know you were going to mention that going direct to the public there because the, the piece that I have here in front of me that I wanted to present to you as well was an interview that uh, our friend Darren Denslow, Dee Dee Denslow, did over the weekend uh, with a Welsh farmer called Wynne Jones. Very Welsh name indeed. Uh, Wynne, W-Y-N. Welsh as they come. He actually said that farmers are struggling with supermarket prices. So, uh, you know, it's easy to 
pin the blame completely on the government for everything that's going wrong in the farming industry. But greedy uh, multinational supermarkets have their part to play in it too. And last week, uh, I had a guy on from France, Paul Kudenek, who lives over there. He runs Winterrook Press, and he was giving an, an assessment on the French thing. And he said uh, a lot of attention is now being put on to distribution centres, food distribution centres. The farmers are blocking them off because they're getting shafted by them too in terms of bad deals, bad rates, etc. So they're getting it from multiple angles at the minute, Catherine. And uh, it can be uh, and when you're trying to do that job as well, which is very labor intensive farming, you're knackered at the end of the day. It's a seven yeah. day a week job, pretty much 365 days a year. I think they do need to, to have facts presented to them. They don't have time to do this research themselves. And that's where a PFFA uh, comes in there. We've got to take a little uh, news break. We might as well take it now so the momentum of this conversation doesn't get interrupted in about a minute it's time when we come back i want to look at pffa and the opportunities that are there because farmers are tight they they're a tight community uh, and when something happens to one of them they all find out about it which could work in our favor when it comes to mass blitzing of education as to what's actually going on uh, in the eu and further afield so let's look at strategies when we come back at the other end here on tnt today's news talk what brings you here news talk radio tnt radio news for TNT, this is James O'Neill. According to a report by journalist Michael Schellenberger, Matt Taibbi, and Alex Gutentag, the U.S. intelligence community, notably the CIA, allegedly coordinated with the Five Eyes Intelligence Alliance to surveil associates of Donald Trump well before the 2016 election's official investigation start. Ukraine has shifted its military strategy from offensive to defensive operations, according to General Alexander Sirsky in an interview with German TV channel ZDF. Globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda, it never stops. For the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations, vote one. TNT Radio. Free speech always has a home here. Stay up to date with the latest live news and current affairs delivered by our lineup of expert commentators and hosts. Listen to TNT Radio anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. Okay, let's shine a little bit of light on uh, the PFFA, which is the People's Food and Farming Alliance. If you haven't already checked out their website, please do so. It can be found at www.the-pffa.org. Obviously, uh, a hub for information and uh, the distribution of information there. You mentioned about uh, mass awareness and making farmers aware on mass of what's happening at the minute. Because listen, they're all working individually on farms, but farming networks are very tight. Over in Ireland here, we have the Farmers Union, the National Farmers Union, and basically they ensure all their uh, farm machinery through NFU Mutual. Uh, there's young farmers clubs spring up around NFU. So is that something that can be leveraged in our favor when it comes to awareness raising. They may be working on individual farms, but as a body, they're they're very tight and the information spreads fast and effectively through the lack of a farming network. It can be utilized and there will be other routes, but we will need to rely on the public to help us get the information mm -hmm. out there. Um, this is a case of all hands on deck quite seriously, um, that these guys need to understand the 
the seriousness of the situation. And I must admit, personally, I don't have a huge amount of faith in the NFU over here. Mm. Um, mm. However, hopefully we can you know, encourage them to help get this message out. Now, what we need to do is understand that we're not going to get support from DEFRA, from the supermarkets, from the government. It's not going to happen. Um, so this is very much about us, we the people, if you like, um, being able to help farmers genuinely. So it isn't just a case of negotiation, negotiating with supermarkets. I would personally say you might as well try and negotiate with terrorists. I think what we need to do is we are going to produce a video, a very short, very concise video, which will explain exactly how these um, climate agenda theories are going to genuinely impact farmers and producers across the UK. But whilst we're delivering this information, we will be following up with what the solutions are. We at PFFA and at PHA, it's all about solutions focused and it's about we the people uh, bringing those solutions to the fore. And we come together. There's nothing we can't do. We've been, um, you know, nannied and told that we, you know, to stay in your box, be good little citizens, do what you need to do. But actually, we're incredibly capable of bringing in new, new infrastructure and genuinely supporting our farmers. It's not just buying the old bit of organic beef from them, but genuinely bringing in new infrastructure, which is going to actually help them get out of the hideous situation they're in. And they are in a hideous situation and make sure that they stay viable. They don't have to sell their farms. They don't have to suffer any longer. We can get behind them genuinely and bring in the, the solutions and bring them in as swiftly as possible because time is against us. We don't have a lot of it. But the first thing we need to do is make them understand the bigger picture. The second thing we need to do is mobilize the troops so that they can go out there and start getting this infrastructure into place. Mm. And we will have, a, like I say, a public forum in the next few weeks. So do keep an eye out where we're going to inform the public exactly what they can do, um, which will be incredibly helpful to the farmers and make sure that we can take those middlemen out of the loop and they no longer have control over our food production. Yeah, that's that's key. Uh, Catherine, also, uh, by the way, if you use Twitter or the X platform, uh, you can find uh, PFA at PFFA underscore UK. And you just put a post up yesterday to say, uh, we here at the PFFA have been working very hard to get solutions for farmers ready. And that's the key. You know, it's all fine talking about the problems, but you've got to be able to offer solutions uh, to bring the answers we need you guys, which is us collectively, to help these farmers as they don't have much time. So within the next couple of weeks, we will hold an open public forum and you will be needed. So can you expand on that a little bit? Uh, what format will that forum take? Uh, who, will it be held centrally somewhere? Is it something that's going to be online? And what will be the strategy after that forum's being held? Uh, where do you go from there? So it'll be a public Zoom um, and we'll share the links um, several days prior and everyone can come and get involved. We're, I think there's a limit on numbers, but we're going to get far more in there than we would one central location. And the beauty of it is whatever we record can be shared afterwards. And it will be about practical solutions. How do you create different multiple routes to market? Um, how do you set the logistics up for that? How do you do it on no funding? How do we make this happen in reality? Um, not one size will suit all. We need a number of solutions. So we've got we've got them we've got the solutions um available and we work with partners and we collaborate with other groups that um synchronize and, and align with what our messaging is and they've already got some systems in place and some of those can just be expanded on some things are brand new um some things will need investment 
and the fullness of time. But there's so much we can get on with now. And none of it is difficult. This is the thing. None of it's complex. It's actually quite simple. What we need is numbers and boots on the ground of people that know that they need to do something and can go and help get this into place. And we'll, we'll share all of that information freely. We're not precious about it. This is about genuinely making stuff happen. Um, so please do keep an eye out for that. We haven't got a specific date yet because there's a few things I need to do under my, get under my belt first. Um, but yeah, we absolutely will be bringing the answers. And then it's down to we, the people, to put it into place. Yeah, it is. The book stops, I suppose you would say. It does stop with us. You know, we we can turn this on its head or we can sit back and do nothing and allow this uh, globalist agenda to continue. And if it does, uh, I want to look at a without trying to be negative, but in a worst case scenario, if there is a land grab and if farmers go to the wayside, and of course the government will be waiting there with large uh, bailout packages, which we've already seen uh, being dangled in front of many uh, farmers' noses, the same way a circle are dangling, uh, you know, residency and occupancy packages for hotels, hoteliers that have been ruined through lockdown periods. All of a sudden, their their balance sheet's skewed. Then the government comes along and saying, "Hey, we'll offer you five years full occupancy. Anybody damages the hotel, we'll pay for it. We'll put our own staff in there. You just sit back." and enjoy the benefits of it. It's tempting for people to do that. People that have been in the farming business, they're looking at the, the books and they're saying, I'm busting my ass here, you know, seven days a week and I'm struggling to keep my head above water. It's got to be tempting to sell up and get out of the business. And of course, if that does happen, Catherine, I think we're at the point of no return because there's no way in hell that the government are ever going to relinquish that farmland back into the into the hands of independent farmers after they get their greedy, mucky, filthy, dirty paws on it. So there really is a lot riding on this. It has to be stopped and it has to be stopped now. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the great, the, the speed with which we need to make these farmers aware, I, I can't, I can't express enough how quickly we have to move with this. It is a, a bit of a race against the clock. Like I say, all hands on deck for this one. Um, there's a lot of things in this world we can do without and we'll cope. Food is not one of them. Um, we also, through PFFA, uh, for those out there who, who genuinely want to make a difference, we also have two other sectors, which is the Grow Your Own and the Community Growing Groups. And we're currently putting together a community farm blueprint so that communities know how to set up a farm from scratch. I mean, it's literally going to be a step by step guide and all the things you need to consider. Um, food production, we've all got to take more responsibility and those of us that can should. So go over to the website, all the handy hints there. It can take you through everything step by step, even if you don't have a clue about any of it. Um, you know, and again, with our partners and our collaborations that we've got, we'll find the answers together for everything that we need. But I would encourage everyone to get involved in whatever way you can. We, the people, we have a civic duty to each other and ourselves to, to do what we can to save our country. It is saving our country, ultimately, and saving our fellow man. And um, I would think that this kind of food revolution situation is one that is going to really have a difference um, moving forward on some bigger picture issues as well. Yeah, it's crucial. Uh, the time is short, as you've uh, rightly pointed out. And uh, also, uh, our time is short, as in your and I time is short, because we're coming up to the end of our little segment here. The time flies by uh, like a rocket when you're talking about these type of issues. So just to reiterate uh, and to redirect you uh, towards uh, the work that Catherine and other people are doing there with the PFFA, uh, follow them on X or Twitter at PFFA underscore UK. Uh, but the website is a real hub, which is the 
pffa.org and you'll be able to be kept in tune uh, or up to speed with everything that's going on there. By the way, for your information too, Catherine, we have a what's on section on our website. So if there's any of these uh, crucial meetings or whatnot happening, uh, let our uh, what's on section know on the website, TNT Radio Live, know and they'll put a, uh, a thing up there as well, advertising it uh, on our website too. So we'll be able to get you a little bit more traffic uh, in that respect. So Whew, we're at the end of our little segment. Uh, we were going to talk about uh, health, but, uh, you know, we didn't get to it. Uh, time is our enemy here, but maybe next time you're on, uh, we'll take a step. I'll take a step back from this and actually focus on, you know, keeping ourselves, our own heads above water and our own bodies taking over, never mind farms. Uh, but that'll have to keep for another time. So, Catherine, big thanks to you as always. Lovely to see you. Okay. And uh, hopefully we'll talk again sooner rather than later. That's Catherine McBean. I'm Rick Munn. And after the break, uh, Mario Inecho will be joining me to talk about money, money, money here on TNT. Don't go away. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. According to people, the Earth's temperature... And I say people because I don't really consider the people saying this actual scientists. They may have degrees, but since they're using temperature as a metric for climate, they don't know what they're talking about. But according to them, this has been the hottest year on record, 2023. Now, that's interesting because the world population has gone over 8 billion. In fact, they're close to 70 million new people on the planet than there were back in 2022. Or put it this way, there are 70 million more. Now, I can't figure out if things are so bad, how come the population continues to increase? I mean, aren't we at a hellhole right now? Now, I realize most of you don't have degrees in meteorology, and that's fine. What we were taught at Penn State, back when Penn State used to not be a climate indoctrination school, well, maybe they're not now that Michael Mann has left and gone to the University of Pennsylvania. But we were taught that temperature is a very poor metric for climate. Wet bulb temperatures are a much better metric because, after all, water vapor is very important, right? So if you know how much energy is in the air and you know that a lot better with a wet bulb temperature, then you get a better look at it. See, it could be hotter, but if it's drier, there's no real change in the amount of energy in the air. Better than that, though, is saturation mixing ratios. Now, this really quantifies the water vapor. So let me ask you a question. If you want to track down the source of what warming is, would you use something that doesn't correlate at all to the temperature, CO2? Or would you use something that has a direct correlation to the temperature, which is water vapor? This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog, meteorologist Joe Bastardi, asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. Internet crimes against children in New Mexico are real. And when it comes to protecting your children, the New Mexico AG's office and the ICAC unit are on the front lines. I'm New Mexico Attorney General Hector Balderas. There's nowhere to hide for online predators in New Mexico. We are working tirelessly using state-of-the-art technology and resources to seek out and find them wherever they are. Please talk to your children about the dangers that exist online social media, games, and messenger apps. It's always important to know who you're talking to. Help fight online predators in New Mexico by submitting a tip today. You're with Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio. TNT.
Yes, uh, still plenty more to squeeze in before the top of the hour here. I'm very happy to be joined by the fir for the first time, sorry, unlocked and loaded, at least uh, unlocked and loaded here on TNT by the one and only Mario Ineco. And he is uh, the, the the host of the YouTube channel Maneco, M-A-N-E-C-O 64. It's the home of alternative economics and also contrarian views. I think you're going to fit in just perfectly here on TNT. Mario, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. Good. Uh, listen, it's really good to see you. It's good to talk to you. When Charlotte uh, let me know you were coming on, I got a little bit excited. I I'm an ex-finance guy, worked for 10 years in the financial services industry, so I know a little bit about money and how the system works, and I'm always happy to talk uh, to guests about that. Uh, your YouTube channel, you've done tons and tons of uploads. I took a screenshot of them, actually, and each uh, headline for your video would make a discussion point on its own. For example, a recent one there, Currency Reset will wipe out creditors and usher in CBDCs, commercial real estate. Is it manageable or is it a trigger for a 2008-like uh, crisis? Will you be able to sell your silver when it hits $100? So many topics of discussion there. Let's actually start with silver because I think that's something that's dear to your heart and precious metals is something we have encouraged people here, or at least I've tried to encourage them to think about investing in as an alternative. Uh, some people get worried. to think, well, I can't carry big silver bars around with me. How do I get change for a silver bar at a supermarket if I buy a loaf of bread? You don't have to walk around with a chest of silver, do you? You can keep them in your pocket. That's right. And that's how uh, people in this country, uh, up until actually 1946, uh, our coins had 50% silver in the UK. And prior to World War uh, One, we had uh, sterling silver, which is 925. And then in 19... 20 they removed half the silver because they had to pay for the war but it, it's simple you know the the threepenny bits the sixpence uh shillings uh florins crowns half crowns you know that's how you used to get changed uh most people think yeah how can i carry a kilo bar of silver to to the shop but but no it, it would be uh, just like the coins we have today uh, unfortunately uh yeah, the, the coins have been debased, just like the Romans did uh, 2,000 years ago. We've done it too, and we've debased it so badly that our coins don't even have any more silver. It's all copper nickel. And of course, now it's even the the copper nickel coins are so, uh, they're too valuable probably, you know, uh, and they're taking that out of circulation. And that's why... Uh, I got into silver uh, over 20 years ago after I first bought some gold. Then I started looking into silver and I realized that uh, our forefathers have been using silver uh, and gold for money for thousands of years. It's only been the last hundred years that uh, we've been taken off sound money. Is it really fair to say that whenever we got taken off the gold standard, that's when things really started to go south in terms of economics? Now we're running on fumes at the minute. You know, debt is uh, busting through the roof. Uh, we've never been so indebted, either as nations or as individuals. Levels of individual personal debt is going up through the roof. Uh, we moved off that gold standard. Now, effectively, governments have a license to print money. Uh, when they need more money, they simply fire up the printing presses. That wasn't the case uh, two or 300 years ago. If you didn't have the 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 silver the gold to back up uh what your currency was you simply didn't have a currency that's right and, and uh 
if you go back to the Napoleonic Wars, they suspended the gold standard uh, with the Bank Restriction Act in 1797 up until 1821. But after that, they brought back the gold standard and normalized things. Uh, and they did the same after World War I. Uh, they took us off gold. And the reason they do that is that they can pay uh, foreign countries for the the materials for war and we the public are stuck with the paper and that's why you get inflation during times of war but what happened after 1914 or the great war is that they they didn't really put us back on the gold standard churchill as chancellor tried tried to do it from 1926 to 1931 but what he did is he put us back on the the same uh, rate that we were on prior to world war one and that didn't work because they had inflated the system so much that it actually deflated the system and created uh, a depression in the country. So yes, I, I would say uh, ever since 1914, uh, we've been on a, on a debt-based system here in the UK. Yes, the US kept a, a gold, uh, some kind of gold standard until 1971. But like you said, that takes the an anchor out of the system and they're, they're able to create currency and credit out of thin air. The central banks will create uh, the fake uh, reserves to buy the debt and to keep it up. And did you know that from uh, 1821 to 1914, when we went back on the gold standard in the UK, the average CPI per annum in that period was zero, uh, minus 0 0.1 a year. So it, we actually had no inflation whatsoever. And uh, you can't argue that uh, the UK didn't do well in the 19th century. You know, we had yeah, a great industrial revolution. Uh, the thing is, too, you mentioned inflation as well, and of course, one of the uh, the, the the offshoots to printing money hand over fist is it drives inflation up. And today, uh, we got reports through that the UK is uh, in recession. You know, it's uh, it's it's not growing the way that it should do, and Sunak's uh, you know spinning it round that inflation's going down, and of course. What the government uses to measure inflation may not be the things that you put in your own personal shopping basket, because I know I don't know anybody out there, uh, Mario, that's saying, yeah, things it's a lot cheaper to buy food and groceries this year than it was last year. But this is against the government telling us that the cost of uh, increase of prices is actually going down. It doesn't seem, I don't know about you, uh, I don't know what it's like where you live, but anytime I go now to get literally a small bag of food, you'd be lucky to get changed at 20, 25 quid out of it. Uh, I almost died last night I went to the local uh, supermarket spa supermarket got a few bits and pieces it came to 25 quid and then I'm sitting on here on TNT going oh the government says inflation's coming down and we're turning a corner I don't know what corner we're turning Mario but it ain't it ain't uh, making me a wealthier person yeah I'll uh, answer that question uh with two uh two two answers so the first one is the definition of inflation uh they've corrupted that as well because uh, in the old days uh, when you inflated you inflated the currency like you took the silver coin and you took some of the silver out so that the the mon money supply would increase but the value would decrease you see when they changed the the shilling uh from uh, 
nine to five silver in 1914 to 50% silver, it actually became a sixpence. So you, you were paying uh, with the shilling, but that was only worth sixpence. So people knew that, you know, that was the case. So they charged twice the price. So inflation is, uh, nowadays is when they uh, increase the amount of currency and credit in the system through uh, QE, money printing, through lower rates. And, and the consequence of that is rising prices. And the second answer here, the way they fool people is that they call the measure of rising prices CPI now, they call that inflation. And how they fool people with that is that they always change the way they calculate that, they tinker with it to make it look lower. And I discovered uh, back in 2022 that uh, the uh, Office of National Statistics was told to uh, change the me methodology for CPI going all the way back to 1949. <laughs> and I'm sure the government told them to do that. And what that did, and the only reason I caught caught it is because I always check the Bank of England inflation calculator, which everyone can check on their website. I, I noticed that all of a sudden the numbers became a lot lower. <laughs> and uh, for example, Bank of England was given independence in 1997 uh, by Tony Blair and New Labour. But they had to keep a, a CPI target of 2%. And uh, prior to this change in May of 2022 to CPI, the average from 1997 CPI to 2020 was 2.7%, which doesn't seem much, but it, it meant that the Bank of England on average didn't meet, you know, hit its target of 2%. But if you go now to the Bank of England inflation calculator um, and you do the same uh, time period the average cpi is 1.9 so yes they're uh, they've corrupted the definition so they can manipulate it and they they change the uh, methodology when it starts looking too high right now they tell us that cpi or what they call inflation is four percent but i would say it's more like five or six and probably even more so uh, like you said i i saw this uh lady on uh, TikTok or instagram and she mm -hmm. was just driving uh driving away from acosta uh, with a coffee and she said she paid five pounds for a coffee i remember the day where you paid uh one pound 50 or two pounds for a coffee so yeah and that's that's the thing too you know i try and support independent shops uh, around the area that i'm in try and pay cash wherever i can but i've noticed and uh, the prices are creeping up it's it used to be once every couple of years you get an extra 20 pence on the price of a cappuccino in the last 12 months the prices went up at least three times now i don't use the like of nero not a big fan of them but uh, a friend of mine was in the other day and he said it was four quid uh, for a regular uh cappuccino there with <laughs> winter blend uh, beans on there i don't care what beans they're sticking in the coffee no no nothing is worth four quid uh for a cup of coffee but that's the position that we're in at the minute uh i, I want to look at the, that youtube video that you put up there that i referenced right at the start uh it's it's titled uh the currency reset will wipe out creditors and usher in cbdc's is it safe to say this imminent crash of literal currencies and the the, the de-dollarization it's not a it's not uh, profits are doing. We're not being profits at doing. We're not being scaremongers here. This is a case of when it happens, it's not going to be a case of if it happens, we cannot keep going the way we're going. That's right. And uh, that video was an interview with uh, 
Clive Thompson, who was an ex-private uh, banker in Switzerland, but originally from the UK. And uh, the other reason why it's a matter of when and not if is because under our current debt-based system, which you spoke about earlier, where there's no anchor, uh, the debt becomes you know, unsustainable. And the problem with this system is that when the government issues debt, uh, it has to pay an interest on the debt. Uh, so there's never enough uh, currency or debt to pay the interest. So they have to keep issuing it. And it gets to a point where the economy just can't take the debt anymore. And I think that's where, where we're in right now. And uh, whether we're going to get a CBDC is up for debate. I, I think that's what the powers that be want. But uh, maybe a lot of people are going to ask questions. Why should we trust you with another currency if you couldn't keep this, you know, the old currency system going? Here's here's the thing, uh, Mario. You're aware of all of this, okay? You have a YouTube channel on this. You've been studying this. You've been researching this. You've been trying to do your best to probably hedge against this in your own personal life for when this reset happens. I've been trying to do the same. I've been trying to tell people about what's coming. The writing is on the wall. For the average person out there that maybe the first time they've heard anything like this being talked about, they're thinking, "Is are they hyping this up? Uh, they got an ulterior motive. We're just commenting on what we see coming down the line and it's coming imminently. If you haven't prepared for this and you're just like the average Joe or Joanna on the street and this thing hits and hits hard, how much of a shocker is it actually going to be for the average person that has no idea about any of this and hasn't done anything to prepare for it? How, much, how hard will it hit the average person? I think it's already hitting the average person and they're confused and they don't understand why prices are going up so much. Uh, yes, even though Joe Biden in the US blamed the uh, like uh, food snack companies for it with shrinkflation. Uh, but how do you prepare? Um, well, I think you need to be aware that it, it, it's going to happen so you're not as scared. But one thing I would say when, when we do have these kind of events, currency events, the good thing about it uh, is that they don't last very long. They can't keep uh, going uh, forever. It usually is like six to 12 months, maybe a bit longer. Um, and uh, to prepare for it, I, I would say batten down the hatches you know keep your keep uh keep plugging away at your job or whatever you do if you have your own business try to get out of debt as much as possible live within your means that's the only thing i can say and uh yeah we're not trying to scare people we're just trying to tell them i've been doing this since late 2015 here on, on my uh youtube channel and the other thing as well, if you've been able to, uh, fortunate enough to have plenty of savings in the bank, for example, with pounds, uh, savings accounts, uh, you might want to think of uh, liquidating some of that for hard assets or gold and silver for something that is real and holds value. Because if you look at uh, other countries that have been through this, people who had a lot of savings in the bank, those savings became worthless and um and that that's a, a big thing as well for people out there if they're fortunate enough of course to have some savings because it's getting harder and harder to save
It is. And also uh, there's this, uh, you know, belief amongst British savers, for example, that there's an investor's compensation scheme that if you've up to 80 grand in the bank, if anything goes horribly wrong, that you'll be compensated and they'll look after you. I used to work for a multinational bank and we were told the small print says, look, that's what we're guaranteeing, but it's never happened before. There's never been a complete meltdown of all the banks before, at least over the last hundred years. So, you know, we'll have to deal with that problem as and when it came. I wouldn't be putting too much reliance on promises from banks. And also, uh, just as we're up this one up, Mario, it's been a great conversation. Uh, diversity, diversification in any assets that you have as well. It would be foolish to go all in on property. It would be foolish to go all in in silver. Even if you think it's the best thing in the world, you could get it wrong. You need to have other avenues. There are a little bit of uh, cash, a little bit of uh, you know assets, hard assets, as you say, maybe some uh, stock portfolios, some silver, some gold, some of this, some of that. Uh, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Is that a, a fair piece of advice just as we close this off? Yes, there, that is. And I'd add about the uh, guarantee 80,000. Yes, they can pay as much as you know they can print. That's not a problem. What I mean is they might pay you back your 80,000, but your 80,000 will will be worth a lot less that that's mm -hmm. the purchasing power will be destroyed so yes they might pay you back your eighty thousand, but you might be able to buy a starbucks coffee with it that's what i mean and, and yeah diversification is important uh that's right uh, i agree with yeah. you I hope, I hope and believe and pray, listen, that we never see the day of an £80,000 cappuccino in uh, Starbucks. But hey, yeah, you never know. It could happen. And if it does, remember where you heard it first here on TNT with uh, Mario Ineco. Mario, we're up to time pretty much here. It's been an absolute blast talking to you. And as this uh, business continues throughout the year, if it hasn't been too traumatic experience for you, uh, it would be good to get you back periodically just to see what your interests or your views and opinions are on the development developing things in finance. So please follow follow Mario on the X or Twitter platform at Maneco, M-A-N-E-C-O 1964, or please subscribe to his YouTube channel, which is uh, Maneco 64. And in the meantime, Mario, uh, get out there, get yourself a nice cheap cappuccino or a latte today. Don't spend 80 grand for it and uh, keep your powder dry. And uh, thank you all for listening this morning to Locked and Loaded and Open Line on TNT. James Freeman's incoming. I'll be back in the morning. 9 a.m. Uh, don't miss it here live on Uncensored TNT today's news.